the problem of incentives. The problem of incentives can really skew how much you can rely on someone else's circle of competence. This is particularly acute in the financial realm. Until recently, nearly all financial products we might be pushed into had commissions attached to them. In other words, our advisor made more money by giving us one set of advice than the other, regardless of its wisdom. Fortunately, the rise of things like index funds of the stock and bond markets has mostly alleviated the issue. In cases like financial advisory, we're not on solid ground until we know, in some detail, the compensation arrangement our advisor is under. The same goes for buying furniture, buying a house, or buying a washing machine at a retail store. What does the knowledgeable advisor stand to gain from our purchase? It goes beyond sales, of course. Whenever we are getting advice, it is from a person whose set of incentives is not the same as ours. It is not being cynical to know that this is the case and to then act accordingly. Suppose we want to take our car to a mechanic. Most of us, especially in this day and age, are completely strangers in that land. We subsequently are open to be taken advantage of. There is not only an asymmetry in our general knowledge base about mechanics of a car, there is usually an asymmetry of knowledge about the actual current problem with the car. We haven't been under the hood, but the mechanic has. We know his incentive in this situation. It's to get us to spend as much possible while still retaining us as a customer. The only solution, or at least until we reach a certain level, of trust with our mechanic is to suck it up and learn a bit of the trade. Fortunately, these days, that is easy with the aid of the internet, and we don't need to learn it ahead of time. We can learn it on an as-needed basis. The way to do it in this case would be to defer all decisions on major spending until you've had time to poke around the resources you can find online and at least confirm that the mechanic isn't making a major bluff. When Queen Elizabeth I of England ascended to the throne, her reign was by no means assured. The tumultuous years under her father and brother sister had contributed to a political situation that was precarious at best. England was in a religious crisis that was threatening the stability of the kingdom and was essentially broke. Elizabeth knew there were aspects of leading the country that were outside her circle of competence. 
She had an excellent education and had spent most of her life just trying to survive. Perhaps that is why she was able to identify and admit to what she didn't know. In her first speech as queen, Elizabeth announced, I mean to direct all my actions by good advice and counsel. After outlining her intent upon becoming queen, she proceeded to build her privy council, effectively the royal advisory board. She didn't copy her immediate predecessors, filling her council with yes-men or wealthy incompetents who happened to have the same religious values. She blended the old and the new to develop stability and achieve continuity. She kept the group small so that the real discussions could happen. She wanted a variety of opinions that could be challenged and debated. In large measure, due to the advice she received from this council, advice that was the product of open debate, that took in the circles of competence of each of the participants, Elizabeth took England from a country of civil unrest and frequent persecution to one that inspired loyalty and creativity in its citizens. She sowed the seeds of the empire that would eventually come to control one quarter of the globe. Conclusion Critically, we must keep in mind that our circles of competence extend only so far. There are boundaries in the areas in which we develop the ability to make accurate decisions. In any given situation, there are people who have, cir who have a circle, who have put in the time and effort to really understand that information. It is also important to remember that no one can have a circle of competence that encompasses everything. There is only so much you can know with great depth of understanding. This is why being able to identify your circle and knowing how to move around that side of it is so important. Charles Darwin once said, Ignorance more often begets confidence and knowledge. Staying in your circle. The idea, a circle of competence in the realm of investments, was stated very well by Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett. When asked, he recommended that each individual stick to their area of special competence and be very reluctant to stray. For when we stray too far, we get into areas where we don't even know what we don't know. We may not even know the questions we need to ask. To explain this point, Buffett, Buffett gives the example of a Russian immigrant woman who ran one of his businesses, the famous Nebraska Furniture Mart. The CEO, Rose Blumkin, spoke little English and could barely read or write, yet had a head for two things, numbers and home furnishings. 
she stuck to those areas and built one of the country's great retailing establishments. Here it is in Buffett's words. I couldn't have given her $200 million worth of Berkshire Hathaway stock when I bought the business because she doesn't understand stock. She understands cash. She understands furniture. She understands real estate. She doesn't understand stocks. So she didn't have anything to do with them. If you deal with Mrs. B in what I would call her circle of competence, she's going to buy 5,000 end tables this afternoon if the price is right. She is going to buy 20 different carpets in odd lots and everything else like that because she understands carpets. She wouldn't buy 100 shares of General Motors if it was at 50 cents a share. Her iron focus on the things she knew best was largely responsible for her massive success in spite of the obstacles she faced.